Epilogue of God Goes to Murderer's Row by Reverend M. Raymond, OCSO. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dead Live and Work It was a restless group of reporters that watched the final execution. Raymond Skeeter Baxter had never been copy, but never less so than now. The two principals having been removed from the stage, and Buchanan being in possession of some statement from the man who had given them so much to write about these past seventeen months, they were impatient with all formalities. But neither the warden nor the doctor were to be hurried. The self-confessed drug addict was let in, asked the usual questions, and methodically strapped into the chair. A few of the newsmen edged towards the door, but Buchanan stopped them with a glance. A Protestant minister began to pray. The two Catholic priests, Father Libs and Father Bowmike of Erlington, whom Father Libs had asked to come, were seen to make the sign of the cross in the direction of the hooded man. A signal was given, and the little body beneath the black hooded head shook violently twice. As the doctor moved toward the platform, a hoarse whisper from one of the reporters was heard. He's gone. Let's go. By quarter to two, all had crossed the yard and crowded into the warden's office. Buchanan seemed exasperatingly deliberate, but once seated he talked rapidly enough. He began by reminding them it was January the 11th that Penny had made his long deposition exonerating Anderson. Nervous nods told him that newsmen needed no reminders. Well, said Buchanan, on January 22nd, the day he should have died, Penny begged me for another interview. I granted it on the 23rd. That was the Saturday before he went to Lexington for the last hearing, put in one of the reporters. That's right, said the warden, and went on to tell how Tom had confessed that he had gambled with his soul by making the long deposition a fortnight earlier, and now wanted to rectify the situation as far as possible by telling the truth. And what was that? broke in an impatient reporter. Buchanan eyed him coolly and said, that Bob Anderson was with him at Lexington and participated in the robbery and murder. That was enough for most of the newsmen. These bolted from the room and headed for the nearest telephone or telegraph. Those who remained heard the detailed confession. How Baxter had really hatched the plot. How Anderson had furnished the guns and fired first. How Tom had been knocked down in the dark and arose firing his own gun. Nothing new was contained in the confession but it corroborated what had been told in the first Lexington trial, and it completely cleared the name of Euford Stewart. Penny had told the warden that the plot to involve the lame bartender was first concocted while they were still in Lexington, early in 1942. Porter B. Lady, one of Buchanan's assistants, broke in here to assert that Tom had said that Anderson knew then that Stewart was already dead. As the warden finished his narrative, one of the reporters asked what it was to be done with the bodies of the deceased. Buchanan made immediate answer. Anderson's goes to Louisville. Penny's and Baxter's go back to Lexington. But the warden did not know the charity he was hiding in that last sentence. Sister Mary Laurentia, faithful to the end and beyond it, had suggested to Mrs. Penny that she allow the state to bury Tom in prison ground. The wise old nun knew something of the fee demanded by morticians and the condition of Mrs. Penny's bank account. But when the mother's eyes filled with tears, Sister Mary Laurentia's mind was made up. When Mr. Kerr, a Lexington undertaker, next came to St. Joseph's Hospital, 
he was taken aside by a serious-faced sister mary laurentia and told much about charity he heard so much that he ended the interview with a smile saying don't you worry any more sister the body will be brought back prepared properly for burial and kept at my parlors until the interment have you any idea where and when that will be it was a nun's turn to smile can you keep a secret she asked i can try tom penny is to be buried from st paul's church he is to have a funeral mass and will lie on blessed ground father mckenna the pastor has arranged everything the plot is at hillcrest mr kerr smiled a wider smile did you say father mckenna had arranged everything would you be willing to swear that sister mary laurentia had nothing to do with any of the arrangements god bless you sister it will be a pleasure and so tom penny came back to lexington the funeral was a very quiet affair some school children formed the choir mrs penny and her little family were there along with faithful sister robert ann and two companions sister mary laurentia who had kept the night watch with tom penny as february twenty sixth grew into day was too ill from emotional exhaustion to attend thus she missed the touching tribute father mckenna saw fit to pay to this man who had turned so completely to god once he had been converted she missed also the warm comfort offered to the mother who smiled through her tears as she heard a priest of god insist that every death is a resurrection the following day mrs penny received another word from another priest of god which produced the same effect it was in a letter from paducah dated february twenty seventh nineteen forty three dear mrs penny i am going to write something which i have never done before i hardly know how to begin or what to say to a mother who has had to suffer as much because of her son however taking everything into consideration i feel there is much to be thankful for as your son once told me father if i had not gotten into this trouble i don't believe i would have gone to heaven you know our lord can get much good out of anything and i don't think i have seen a more beautiful death nor will i for as far as it was possible to determine he died as a good catholic ought to die he spent his last hours in the spirit of recollection concerning the things of god and such sincere sorrow i have never seen he was especially sorry for all the heartaches he caused you and he asked me to write this letter to you and tell you how he died he was a wonderful character and only god knows how much good his death will do for souls he also told me he believed firmly that you yourself would embrace the catholic faith before your time comes and he prayed much for this for he wanted his mother to have all the joys and consolations which his faith and the sacraments gave him mrs penny i want to apologize for opening again the wound in your heart but i wanted to tell you about your son for he was one of the saintliest souls i have ever met his faith was as simple as a child's and you know our lord has said unless you become as one of these you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven he was ready and as i told him i only hope i myself will be as well prepared as he was may god give you his choicest blessings in your trouble and may i say god bless you for such a grand son and a holy man sincerely thomas libs chaplain eddyville p s i have said mass for tom and i will keep him and yourself in my prayers faithful to his promise the chaplain also sent word to the nuns in their letter he was briefer but his very brevity was eloquence to the sisters 
who could read between his very words, let alone between the lines. The note ran. February 27th, 1943. Sisters Mary Laurentia and Robert Ann. Dear sisters, Thomas Penny asked me to write to you and state that he died as a Catholic man should die, and that Robert Anderson died unrepentant, as far as human beings could determine. However, he may have repented while in the electric chair. We do not know. Mr. Penny said it would be all right to write to both of you in the same letter, as it would be passed around anyway. Sincerely, Thomas Libs, Chaplain, Eddyville. The following week, the chaplain was able to view the scene with greater calm, and in his review gave a completer picture. On March 8th, he wrote to Father Brian. I know you want to hear how Tom Penny took the execution. Well, here are some of the facts. I went up to the pen on Thursday afternoon and gave Penny Holy Communion. This was about 3.30. After dinner, we went back to Death Row. I took Father Bomike along because Anderson was angry at myself and Penny, and I thought Father might be able to do Anderson some good. When time came for the boys to die, Anderson was first and cursed Tom Penny, cigarette in mouth, and as far as we could tell, died unrepentant. Father Bomike had worked hard with him, but no success. Tom Penny was next, and even the preacher remarked on the recollected way he died. He walked in, hands behind his back and his eyes cast down. While they strapped him in the chair, the warden asked if he had anything to say, and Tom replied, Publish in the morning what I ask you to. It was concerning Anderson's part in the murder. Then I began the prayers. After the execution, I got Father B. to hold the oils while I anointed Tom conditionally. Baxter, the other man of the trio, went, saying, I am going home to Jesus. The preacher prayed while Father B. and I read the prayers for the dying and gave him conditional absolution. After the last was gone, Father B. and I wasted no time in getting out of there. We went to Father B.'s place in Erlington, arriving about 4 a.m., it was the end of the hardest day I have ever had, and I hope never to have another like it. Knowing that one of the preachers who had been present has a radio program at eleven every morning, I got up on time to hear what he had to say. Generally he gives the priests and nuns hell, but he didn't this day. He even went so far as to say, When Penny died, I heard the angels singing and the harps playing. My ears, unfortunately, were not able to hear so keenly, but he, Tom, died a wonderfully Catholic death. A few days later, Father Brian was hurriedly getting off a note to Sister Francesca. He was anxious that she see the last letter Tom had written him. Then he bethought himself and wrote, I don't believe you have read the last several letters I received. If I can find copies, I will enclose them, too. One of them, the one written after he returned from Lexington, might prove very interesting to you. He sat for a few seconds before his paper, and then set forth the truth. A very interesting case is closed, and I feel that some of us have a friend in heaven. That Tom was a rat in his early days cannot be doubted, but that only lends luster to the work of grace, and what a work that was. I have never had the least reason to doubt his sincerity since first meeting him, and his gratitude to you for your kindness should tide you over some of the rough spots in life. At this point in his composition, a letter was handed to him, bearing an Eddyville postmark. With mounting curiosity, he opened it and read, 
dear father we wish to take this opportunity to acknowledge your most kind and welcome letter we had been expecting one all along but did not know when it would arrive tom penny was telling us some time ago that he had asked you to drop us a few lines tom thought the world of you father after receiving one of your cheerful letters one day he said boys there is a real man naturally we had to agree with him for even though our meeting through the mission period was short you certainly made a hit with us we sailed next door to tom and he always seemed cheerful and full of fun the evening they took him down below to the death house his face seemed to drop for the first time he stopped in front of our cells and said good-bye boys i could hardly see him for the tears in my eyes all i could say was god bless you tom we'll be praying for you tonight that was my only regret in getting acquainted with him i knew it would hurt deep when he had to leave us and go down to the death house he sent word that same evening to get all his books and pamphlets out of his cell and give them to us what tom gave us is about all the catholic literature we have i didn't know you were sending books to the library i will send up tomorrow and see what they have there tom gave each of us a prayer book with his name and the date we received it on the inside we promised him we would keep them as long as they lasted father brian could not resist any longer he had to turn the paper over to glimpse the signature he found a double one awaiting him it read don and alex he placed them immediately the doggedy brothers who were in prison for life they were taking instructions at least they were supposed to be the young passionist shook his head tom he said you were the greatest missionary eddieville ever had but there was a priest further south who was even more affected by his contact with the man who had just died in an electric chair father george t donnelly sat in his chaplain quarters on turner field georgia numb with wonder and gratitude as he read again and again the last thing he had received from tom with exceptional care and neatness the prisoner had written my last will in the name of the most holy trinity amen i thomas penny while i have the full use of my powers wish to publish and declare before the most holy trinity and all the court of heaven this my last will how i wish to live and die i give thee highest and everlasting thanks that thou hast made me thy creature hast regenerated me in holy baptism and sanctify me with the holy sacraments of thy grace i firmly believe and profess the true faith which i received in my baptism and all and every one of the articles thereof in such manner and form as the one holy catholic church believes and professes them o oh my god in my last hour may my act be found whole and intact i detest all the sins from my youth to this hour I most humbly ask pardon of all and every one whom i have ever grieved or offended by word or action i do also from my heart forgive and pardon every injury insult or action whereby any person has offended me even as my loving jesus while he hung suffering on the cross forgave his enemies lastly i profess that i desire to die as a true catholic and to partake of the most holy sacraments I desire to have my part and portion in all the masses prayers and sufferings which shall be offered for all the faithful until the day of judgment o oh, my dear jesus i implore thee to send forth for my soul one of those sighs which burst from thy loving heart while hanging on the cross and to sprinkle my soul with one drop of thy precious blood 
the ceiling. I beseech thee, O most tender Jesus, that thou wouldst deign to register this, my last will, publicly in the court of heaven, and to witness it with the signature of thy holy name, and to seal it with the impress of thy five most sacred wounds. O precious Lord, be it known to all men whose creature I am, body and soul, this I, thy most unworthy child, now sign and seal with my own hand. Thomas Penny O oh God, murmured the priest, how wonderful thou art, and how mysterious are thy ways. For Father George had heard how Anderson had ended, and how Baxter had faced the last moments. He was thinking of the poem. Three men shared death upon a hill, but only one man died. The other two, a thief and God himself, made rendezvous. Three crosses still are borne up Calvary's hill, where sin still lifts them high. Upon the one seg broken men, who, cursing, die. Another holds the praying thief, or those who penitent as he, still find the Christ beside them on the tree. The End End of Epilogue Recording by Maria Therese End of God Goes to Murderer's Row by Rev. M. Raymond, O.C.S.O.